everyone and welcome to another edition of Bucky's fifth podcast episode 103 or 104 I can't even remember off the top of my head uh, but we're here to review Purdue obviously the Badgers are getting down their home stretch here final home game for Wisconsin this year senior day so a big exciting game on Saturday Matt how you doing tonight doing great ready to talk a little Badger football. It's kind of been a little doldrum here with, with no basketball for me. So it's it's kind of nice to just be able to talk football. Yeah, I'm excited for this game. Before we get into uh, the X's and O's of it, like I mentioned at the beginning, you know, it is senior day. You know, there's a lot of things and, and a lot of guys on this senior class that have made it pretty special. Um, but before even that, there there's this classic, you know, interpretation of this game maybe being a look-ahead spot for Wisconsin, given what they've got possibly on the line next week if they take care of business here. So, Matt, do you think this is kind of a look-ahead spot for Wisconsin, just given what they've got to play for uh, next week and that possible battle for the Axe and West Division title? I think it's definitely always a possibility, uh, especially with Senior Day. You never know how they're going to handle those emotions. You've got some some team leaders with with guys like Zach Bond and AJ Taylor and obviously Chris Orr, who who've been there for you know four or some of them five years for most of them actually. Uh, this is going to be their last home game, so kind of how they can kind of bring those. Uh, emotions back into play and also make sure that they're still going out and taking care of business. I mean, that's, that's, I think going to be just as much. I remember a few years back uh, when the Badgers lost or laid that egg against Penn state. And it was just kind of like, what the hell is going on? Um, When it was um, Bill O'Brien's last game and it was just kind of like, what's going on here. And, and I don't see anything like that happening this year. I think the Badgers are pretty, the, pretty much the overwhelming favorite here against Purdue and have a lot more talent based off some of the injuries that Purdue's been dealing with. But overall, you never really know. But I, I, I trust the, the Badgers to take care of business this week and not look too far ahead. Yeah, I think the part that is, is hard on senior day especially is because you've got so much other stuff going on. You've got family coming into town. You've got a lot of moving parts. It's a different pregame routine. So I think more so it's it's more of just like a, a spot where maybe you start out flat because you aren't super focused on, on what you maybe fully should be, but usually it kind of turns on at the end, and, and I hope that's – Obviously not how it starts for Wisconsin, but if I if it were to play out that way, I wouldn't be surprised just given all the moving parts and how different it is from a regular game day. But it's still certainly something I think Badger fans are worried about just given the history of even this year in the look-ahead spot with Ohio State. But at the same time, I think this Wisconsin team has already dealt with them maybe getting ahead of their skis and looking ahead to a game when they should have been focused on another one. And I, I don't think they want to let them, you know, obviously get bit by that same bug twice. So I, I wouldn't think just off of, of what this team has done in the past that, that it would be an issue, but it's certainly a possibility uh, just given just given how much they've got to play for next week. So it'll be interesting to see how they come out in that first quarter and how Coach Christ and, and Jim Leonard and those guys have got the guys ready early on in the game. But we, like we talked about a little bit, obviously, Senior Day. Senior Day is, is really special for the player, but everyone's always, when I've heard about it, it's more special for 
you know, the families of the players. And of course it's really special as kind of a final thank you and goodbye for the fans. So anything in particular that makes uh, senior day so special in your eyes? I always love seeing them. Those guys kind of run out of the tunnel on their own, you know, able to wave and have everybody cheering them on. It's a, it's a cool moment, especially for some of the guys who don't get maybe the notoriety that they, they normally should, you know, a guy like David Mormon, for example, this will be his senior day. He's really came on and had a, had an outstanding senior season and really kind of been a linchpin on that offensive line when a lot of people didn't pencil him in as a starter going into the year. So a guy like him or a guy, an unheralded guy like Tyler Johnson, Jason Erdman to kind of go out there and, and, you know, really get that applause that that they deserve because they've had tremendous careers and they've made a big impact at, at Wisconsin and in the program in general. Yeah, I think that part's really cool. I mean, each each guy getting their moment to shine, and obviously the the big names, uh, you know, like Zach Vaughn are, are going to get that praise. But each guy who's stuck it out for four years, and maybe you've only stepped on the field a couple times, or maybe you've played, you know, a ton of football and some big moments. Every guy gets their shine with their family, which I always think is really cool. And you know, I'm, I'm actually a little disappointed that I'm I'm not going to this game. We had another. Uh, engagement. I'll be able to watch, but I won't be able. To, wasn't able to go, so I'm kind of disappointed that I'll be missing out on uh, some of these guys' senior day. But it's it's a really cool experience, and I think anyone, uh, if you're going to the game, make sure you get there early enough to see that because you, these these guys from the senior class, uh, I would certainly say deserve deserve all the praises, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it'll be it'll be a cool moment, and it always is. Uh, you know, I always remember going back like a guy like Matt Unertel, who is you know an unheralded backup running back behind Ron Dane, and you know the whole the whole crowds chanting Matt Unertel, you know, as he's running out of there. It was so cool to see. So it's a very cool experience for a lot of these guys in a moment they'll never forget, and you know, some fans will never even forget when they see some certain guys run out on the field. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, this class is this class has been through a lot and, and done a lot in the four years that they've been there. Is there any? Uh, what's kind of your overall impression of this senior class? Anything in particular? I mean, they they obviously have played really well. They've gone forty and eleven over their the last four years, and I, I think the big thing is those five straight bowl wins that they've done really is a testament to to the program and kind of what a lot of these guys have done. They'll have a chance to to make it six straight this year because they are going to a bowl, obviously now. But I, I think just the way the consistency that they've had, you know, obviously last year that eight win season, a lot of people kind of stuck up their noses at, but that team was still able to rebound, win the pinstripe bowl, kind of continue that legacy of, hey, we're going to win bowl games. We're going to take on top teams in those bowl games and take care of business on the road uh, has been really cool. And some of these guys have done a great job of making sure that the the program's in good hands and have really, uh, you know, given their gifts forward as well. So I, you know, I remember in fall camp watching Zach Bond consistently working with Isaiah Green May on his hand placement uh, and, you know, in his reads. And that was such a cool thing. And that's something that is a little different at Wisconsin that you don't necessarily always see at other programs, just the way that they pay it forward and really work with the younger guys and try to make a make a dent beyond, you know, the football field, uh, whether it be in the classroom, in the community, but also kind of making sure that the younger generation of players are ready for when it's their turn to get out there as well. 
Yeah, that's well said. I mean, you, you get these classes, and, you know, at, at bigger schools, it's about the win-losses and the championships, and obviously Wisconsin wants to win as many games as they can and, of course, compete for championships and, and Rose Bowls and stuff like that. But really the impact that a lot of these guys make further on in their career and when, when they return back to Wisconsin, you see those big names and you, you think and appreciate for all that they've done. And really with this class, they've been part of some pretty special moments. I think, you know, in 10 years when we're a lot older at some of these games, if we're still uh, both going to season tickets like you and I have, I mean, I think we'll look back on some of these names that are in this class with, with a lot of awe simply because of the number that not only just the number of games that they've won, but the, but the caliber that they played and, and those special years at the Big Ten Championship. I know they obviously lost those games with Penn State and Ohio State, but those seasons and, and the runs that, that those teams made were really special. And I know last year wasn't what they uh, you know expected or wanted to finish with, but they finished strong, and now they've got an opportunity to still you know, make a pretty lastful impact and win some big, meaningful games uh, to close out their senior season. So I'm I'm impressed with this group, and I'm I'm looking forward to see them close out the season strong because I, I really think a lot of these guys in that class deserve it. But getting into the actual game of it, because there is still a football game outside of the pageantry that is senior day, and you know obviously their last game in Camp Randall. Purdue is a team that's coming in. Up and down is kind of the way I've described them. So you look at their record. They got off on the wrong foot at Nevada, won their second game, but then really took a turn from you know mid-September and through almost all of October. I think they dropped five of six in that stretch. And uh, kind of had, obviously injuries played a big part in that, but uh, they've won two games in a row, Northwestern and Nebraska, as they come into this one. So what do you make of the Purdue Boilermakers at this point? Yeah, I mean, they've really been snake bitten, so to speak, in terms of the injury bug. They've had some so many different starters go down. I mean, if you look at their injury report, it's just a laundry list at this point. Uh, their best player, Rondell Moore, is just still kind of a, a hard maybe. And I, I know uh, earlier in the week, Jeff Brown said, Jeff Brown said that he wasn't uh, overly optimistic about him playing in the game. Uh, so they've had to lean on a lot of really young players, a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores. Um, they had probably their best recruiting class in, you know, 15, 20 years, which really has helped them kind of stay afloat as much as possible. They've got, you know, four-star guys like David Bell and George Karloftis or Leftis and, and guys that can really still go out there and make plays, but they're young still and they're going to need time. But, you know, Overall, it they aren't the team that they were last year. They had a better defense last year, even though Jonathan Taylor ran wild on them. They were definitely better. Um, and offensively, you know, they just don't have the consistency at quarterback. Now with a you know converted Division two quarterback walk on uh, at quarterback, it's it's a whole different ball game than what we saw the last few seasons under under Brom, in my eyes, at least. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, anytime you're going to a third string walk-on quarterback, you're going to struggle. But especially, uh, it's not even like they've got the pieces around him to give him uh, the tools that they need to succeed. I know the offensive line has been banged up a little bit too, and they've really struggled to keep their quarterback upright. And then, obviously, there's Jeff Brom is, is an air raid attack. I mean, they don't call it an air raid. They call it a spread offense, but it's it's an air raid. They're, they're 128th in rushing offense, so they're, they're clearly not relying on running the ball other than to maybe keep you know imposing defense off balance and, and try to give them something else to look for. Uh, so, it really, when you have a third-string quarterback and an offensive line that's struggled, 
you're going to have some issues when you run a when you run an offense that essentially relies on on those two positions being pretty good. Uh, so I, I'm interested to see. You know, we're going to have Travis Miller of Hammer and Rails on. Uh, later in the show after our discussion. And I, I'm interested to see whether how much Purdue fans really read into this season or if it's just kind of a, a punt, given all the injuries they have, because they've, I mean, they've really been decimated by by a ton of injuries all season long. Oh, no doubt. I mean, it's, it's been crazy to see the number of guys. I mean, a bunch of their best defensive players, a bunch of their best offensive players. I mean, anytime you're on your third string quarterback, you, you've been hit pretty hard by injuries, especially when both, you know, Elijah Sindelar and uh, Jack Plummer are, aren't going to be playing again this year. You know, they're, they're both out for the year for all intensive purposes. So it, it's, it's not pretty what's kind of happened to them. And you wish a guy like Rondell more health because he's so electric and so much fun to watch. And that's been hard to see. Um, but you know, it's, it, it happens, you know, the Badgers got hit by injuries a lot last year and that was part of their struggles in winning only eight games. So it, it goes around uh cyclically yeah i know you're exactly right i mean it is that is true that the badgers have been pretty fortunate this year on the injury bugs and some teams it seems like when you get bit by a couple players it kind of snowballs the next thing you know you're dealing with it uh kind of like purdue is this year so and you 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 kind of feel bad for those guys because you only get four years to play and and sometimes injuries can really make the biggest difference in college football if you don't have your one key player or one key position going. If you don't have your starting quarterback, you're usually going to be hampered uh, in most of the games that you play. And then if your star player like Rondell Moore isn't able to go, uh, it just puts a puts an even harder strain on the offense and in the coaching staff to try and get things figured out to have success. But they, I, I give them credit. They, they could have easily packed it in and uh, you know, quit on the season a couple of weeks ago when they had lost those five or six, but they've battled back. And I know it's only been – uh, Northwestern and Nebraska, but I give them credit for fighting at least, and I think this will be a tougher game for them. But you have to ad- admire teams that are still fighting at this point. When you know some teams are, are have lost out on their bowl eligibility, Purdue's got to win out to to get to one, which hopefully doesn't happen. But you, you got to admire teams fighting and to get in that position. Um, what do you expect from the offense in this matchup? Is there anything in particular that you're looking for, just given uh, Purdue's defensive struggle it really their injuries have been on both sides not one side or the other so anything in particular you're looking for uh from the Badgers offense yeah I mean they should be running the ball you know the Badgers bread and butter is to ground and pound and obviously uh Purdue has struggled against that I mean they're pretty even in terms of rushing defense and passing defense both about 81st 82nd in the nation and almost dead last in the Big Ten that the Badgers should be able to run for the run the ball on them considering what JT has done his last two times out there. I know he ran for 219 uh, in 2017 and then 320-something in uh, last year's action, albeit in over a couple overtime aided. But, they, I mean, Jonathan Taylor should just feast in this game given the injuries. And uh, Ben Holt can't tackle everybody, although he is a, a stud middle linebacker for them, you know, a transfer from Western Kentucky. The Badgers should be – running the ball as much as humanly possible. And I think this is a game where actually, if you can, you try to get a, a backup quarterback in the game. Cause I know that Jack Cohn's kind of been dinged up a little bit and see if Graham Mertz can play later on in the second half and try to give Jack a, some, some breathing time off the field. So he's not taking a pounding and get him ready for Minnesota. Yeah, I think that would be ideal. I mean, you should be able to run the ball 
exclusively and, and right down their throats, just given the struggles that they've had on the, their defense. Their whole front seven has either been banged up or, or just really struggled at certain positions. So you really should be able to, to use your bread and butter and, and hammer away with JT. I really don't expect them to change much uh, from last week's offense and, and take some shots on first and second down still, but when you need to, you know, not get cute. Let's just let's hammer the ball behind our guards and tackles. Let's let's let JT get into the second level and and open things up and, and go from there because you've you've seen the success that he's had in these two seasons against Purdue. I mean, almost almost 500 yards of rushing offense against them. He, he's really had their number. So you really can't you can't fault them for just turning turning and handing the ball off. And then you make a good point with uh, with the the cone stuff. Obviously, if they were able to cover the spread and get this score uh, to manageable one. I wouldn't be surprised either if they worked somebody else in just to get Jack off that bum ankle. Cause I know, I mean, everybody's dealing with some bang ups and bruises at this point in the season, but it's, so it's good to get those extra guys and get some other guys, some rest in case, in case something happens when you're on the road at Minnesota and you've, you've got to, you know, turn to something else. So it'd be interesting to see how the offense kind of comes out and attacks uh, but we've we've talked a little bit about JT. How many yards are you saying he, he's getting against Purdue, just given how dominating he's been? I think he'll get 200 plus. I, I genuinely believe that. I think, given the game plan, at least what it should be is is ground and pound, giving the ball. I, I anticipate he's going to make uh, full use of his carries. Um, I don't think he'll be getting 30 like he was. Uh, in either of these past two seasons, where it was kind of necessary that he had it after in 27 the. 2017, the Badgers just weren't able to put them away, and they had to really try to hold on there at the very end to beat Purdue at home. Um, where at, and then last year, obviously, in the double overtime thriller that Jonathan Taylor just single-handedly threw the team on his back, um, other than a few nice passes by Jack Cohn. But I'll go 200-plus. I'm not going to estimate that he's going to beat 320-odd yards again. Uh, what do you think in terms of his yardage totals? Yeah, I'd say I'd say the, if you put the over under, I'd probably put it at. I mean, I don't think Vegas would set it at that, but I'd say two Bills is probably probably a safe estimation. I mean, there's just, just it's crazy to think when when running when you're talking about running backs with those type of yardage, but Jonathan Taylor has done it in so many games now that it's kind of not expected, but you're never surprised uh, when he when he hits those marks. So. Just given he he ran all over Nebraska last week and he he seems to be really finding a stride and and really busting through holes and, and seeing the field well so I don't think any I don't think two Bills is being unrealistic uh, for him in this game just simply because he's been so dominating these last few few matchups against Purdue and obviously the last few weeks offensively I think we both uh, agree that it's going to be turning hand off to JT and get him his carries and then you'll probably try and get him out there if the scores. Uh, in hand because like you said the last two years against Purdue it's just been it's been the the score's always been in range and of course last year they were down 14 late in the you know in that fourth quarter but the the year before it was just one of those games where a team hung around but it never felt out of you know they never felt in the game but you you still weren't comfortable with it so it'd be interesting to see how many uh carries he gets and what possibly could be it would probably be his his last game at Camp Randall which is kind of sad to think about yeah, do you think there's any chance that he gets uh, um, honored in in any way for like a senior day, quote unquote? Because I don't see any way that he's coming back. Uh, and I, I I actually, I mean, selfishly, it'd be great if he came back. But there's he's got nothing else to prove. I would anticipate it's being his last game, and I wonder if that's something that they would do, knowing yeah, that it's likely his last. 
Yeah. I'm not sure what if they would do anything for him or not. Just because, like, I remember. I mean, you think about like other guys that have done this leap. I mean, in basketball, the Sam Decker was there, but his was kind of more of a toss-up. Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I I would agree. I think it's a foregone conclusion that this is his final game at Camp Randall. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Other than that, um, you know, we we talked about the offense quite a bit, and we we both kind of expect. Uh, the turn and handoff, ground and pound attack from Jonathan Taylor, but I think we're we're both more probably focused on the defense at this point, just given the performance that they had last week. Obviously, things were messy. Adjustments hopefully were made this week to improve upon that, and you're going to be going against a, a attack on the Purdue sideline that is is much more pass happy. So you're going to get a few more you know looks from from the same things that gave him struggles last week, but. What uh, what adjustments are you hoping that the, the the Badgers defense makes on Saturday? You know, I think I think obviously the tackling needs to get cleaned up. That's not genuinely some something that you're just gonna um, magically wave a wand and and fix just because you know that just has to do with what the other team is doing as well um, and being sound. But I think I think this uh, this team that they're going up against in Purdue doesn't necessarily have the the running ability that has really hampered the Badgers. They've really struggled against that the zone read concepts and um, wrapping up and making making the correct reads and not over pursuing. In this one, I, I don't see that as a big deal. I don't see Aiden O'Connell taking off and running on the Badgers at quarterback position. And obviously at running back, they they really haven't had much of anything um, you know hit on the ground. You know um, I think if if Rondell Moore's healthy, he's definitely a guy to watch. I'm sure the Badgers have been planning just in case that he's there. But, I mean, David Bell is is, is a legit uh, big-time wide receiver. He's kind of got a physicality like uh, Quintez Cephas, similar body types, and has already had, um, you know, 791 yards on the year and five touchdowns. Um, and then they have a Mackey Award semifinalist at – tight end who's already got 500 some odd yards in Bryson Hopkins. So they've got athletes. I anticipate that the Badgers are going to just try to really box those guys in so that they're and almost double team them or keep a, a safety over the top on them. So to make sure that they're not going to beat them and make uh, Aiden O'Connell try to try to beat him by running the ball and really going going after the quarterback to make him uh, have to make quick decisions because uh, you know, a walk on quarterback, having to make quick decisions isn't always a great recipe. So I, I anticipate the Badgers clean up some of the tackling stuff, but I think instead of a, a big change in terms of scheme, it's going to be more so just the who they're playing uh, instead of the scheme. Yeah, I think I think they're going to take that application and, and the defense and just go, you know, gangbusters, you know, blitzing uh, on Aiden O'Connell, just given he's a third-string quarterback. Given Purdue's offensive line struggles, uh, they they rank pretty poorly in sacks allowed. And then the other thing for Purdue's offense against this Wisconsin defense is Wisconsin has, has been great at turning the ball over and, and getting to the quarterback and getting tackles for losses. Um, they're, they're the number two team in Havoc rating, which is a, a betting uh, analysis type thing that I look into a lot. And you know the Badgers rank second in that. And Purdue has been pretty poorly in preventing that stuff. They've they've turned the ball over a lot this season. I think they rank like 112th in turnovers lost. They they've thrown a lot of interceptions. They they fumbled the ball a lot. So if I'm Jim Leonard, I'm I'm bringing pressure and making making these young 
players and of course the third string quarterback make him make decisions and and hopefully they're the wrong ones and then you can kind of kind of convert on those issues that you've been forcing uh which kind of brings me to my next question where do you kind of feel the the biggest mismatch is with this purdue offense against a really strong i know they struggled last week but a really strong wisconsin defense I think on Wisconsin's side, it's definitely the front seven's ability to get after the quarterback. The Badgers have, have been, are fourth in the nation in quarterback sacks at almost four a game and second in the Big Ten, whereas you kind of hinted on it that the Purdue offensive line has just been kind of a struggle bus. They've had to make a lot of changes. They've had a lot of injuries. Uh, on that offensive line. And I think they ranked around 100th or tied for like 106th in the nation uh, in terms of sacks allowed at 2.5 a game. So I anticipate the Badgers are really going to be able to get after the quarterback, slow that run game down to make them one dimensional. Um, And, you know, the Badgers have been so good on third downs that I would anticipate this is, uh, that's going to be an area that the Badgers are going to pin their ears back and just get after them. Um, on the outside, though, I do think that David Bell can create a mismatch problem just because of his ability to, um, you know, box out receivers and make back shoulder catches um, and get into space and make some plays. And obviously, if Rondell Moore plays, you know, he's a wild card. Anytime he gets the ball in his hands, uh, he, he is electric with it and can make anything happen at any given time. So I would say I would say the Badgers have a huge advantage in rushing the passer, but then, you know, Purdue does have some weapons outside that if they can get them in space, uh, the Badgers have shown that they have struggled in tackling in space. So um, David Bell could, if he's given opportunities, make plays if uh, the Badgers don't wrap up and and hold them to uh, not many yards after catch. Yeah, I mean, the, I think Bell and it, if Rondell Moore plays, obviously it's, it's a pretty big maybe at this point, and I don't even know if you want to push him uh, just given that he'll be back next year. But if you've got you know, a game against both of those guys, it'd be a pretty good test for this Wisconsin secondary, uh, given what they're going to face next week in Minnesota. Minnesota's got some high-quality receivers uh, that they're going to get tested with uh, next week. So uh, a game against some some big, call, ball, you know, tall, ball-hawking-type uh, receivers is, is pretty uh, pretty good test for this defense. So it'll be interesting to see how they adjust and how they make plays in that secondary. I really think, uh, like you mentioned, the the front seven is going to be the biggest advantage uh, for the Badgers, just just given the success they've had all year and given the the ability that Purdue has shown to to not take care of the football. I think you're going to have Chris Orr and Zach Bond basically bearing down on you without having to worry about too much of a run game. That could cause some headaches because you've seen when Wisconsin has struggled with these spread attacks, it's usually been when you have to read a couple different things and you have to look for the run a little bit more. If these guys are able to just pin their ears back and get after the quarterback, I think it could be a really long day for, uh, for Aiden O'Connell and, and Jeff Brown's offense. That's really all I have though, uh, down for the thing other than the, uh, of course the score prediction. Um, so Matt, what are you thinking for the Badgers senior day final home game of 2019 in Camp Randall. What are you thinking for a score in this one? I think the Badgers will I'll jump on them early. I would I would guess somewhere around the uh, 42 to 10 range, maybe 45 to 10 range. So I'll 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 kind of go with 45 10. That's exactly what I had written down too. So that <laughs> <No> <laughs> 45 <way>. 10 is <laughs> is exactly is what we're going with. Yeah, I think you know, just given last week what we saw from the defense, I thought maybe it'd be a little closer and 
And, you know, when I was writing my betting preview for the week, I was kind of like, you know, maybe Purdue covers. But then I was just looking at, you know, just the sheer numbers and their body of work. I don't really see a lot from this team right now. You know, I know they've won two straight, but you're on a third string quarterback and you're going on the road for a much bigger test. I just I don't see where the production is going to come from if, if you've got injuries all over and you're on your third string quarterback. Right. Yeah, I, I compare kind of some of their their offensive, you know, firepower and kind of their scheme to what uh, South Florida tried to do in terms of, you know, not necessarily having the, the flashiest quarterback, had some decent weapons on the outside. I don't think the Badgers are going to blow them out the water like they did with South Florida, but I do think it's going to be a game where the Badgers can dominate, get the ball on the ground, and that uh, Purdue might just make like a big play and burst out a touchdown and then get a garbage time field goal. But I don't, I don't see Purdue moving the ball nearly as well as, uh, as some of the teams as of late on Wisconsin, just because they don't have the quarterback that a team like Nebraska had or uh, what Iowa had, or even Ohio state, obviously. Um, So I, I like the Badgers to kind of cruise on this one and pull, pull away. Yeah, I think so. And even that, you know, the turnover bug is really bitten Purdue and, and that might create some other chances for the Wisconsin offense to have either, you know, maybe a pick six or a scoop and score on the defense side or also just short field position to work from to where this thing uh, could get ugly. And we, we've seen Purdue kind of turn the ball over the pa- in the past against Wisconsin, not so much the last couple of years, but back when they were really struggling. Um, so I, I'd be interested to see, you know, how the defense creates plays and possibly makes this thing uh, get out and, uh, and take care of business, and hopefully you can get you know Jack Cohn and Jonathan Taylor and some of those guys out and rested for, of course, uh, a huge matchup in, in Axe Week next week in the battle for the possible battle for the Big Ten West title. So it'll be interesting to see. All right, guys, now that we've finished up our part of the show, we're going to go ahead and kick it over to a couple quick ad reads, and then we're going to have Travis Miller of Hammer and Rails, as we usually do, get an insider perspective on the Purdue Boilermakers and uh, get his thoughts on the season so far. Obviously there's a lot to talk about with Purdue. So we'll uh, kick it over to him after a couple quick ads. All right, Badger fans. We now welcome on Travis Miller of hammer and rails.com SB nations, Purdue uh, athletic website. So make sure and go over and check out Travis and the gang over there. Uh, they've got a ton of great content on Purdue football and basketball and athletics in general uh, for the Boilermaker nation. Travis, thank you again for joining the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, how's it going tonight? Uh, it's going pretty well. Uh, just trying to uh, avoid, oh, wait, I just tore my ACL. So <laughs> that's the way this football season seems to have gone for us. Exactly. That's what it seems like. I mean, every it seemed like every week, just scrolling Twitter, you know, I follow you guys on Hammer and Rails on my personal account, and it seemed like every week injuries just kind of kept piling up on really both sides of the ball, right? Not just one side of the ball or the other. It's just kind of been collectively, you know, both sides just bitten by the injury bug, huh? Yeah, I mean, we've uh, not had our two best offensive and our two best defensive players for most of the season now. And when the two best offensive players both get injured on the same play, that's just one of those where you kind of throw your hands up and be like, well, I mean, really, what else can go wrong at this point? Right. Right, exactly. Well, I mean, that kind of brings me right to my my first question for you. And, and I always like to get an overview of the fan base feel and, of course, the insider perspective, both you know preseason and, and now. I mean, what were your kind of preseason expectations for this team, given 
given, I mean, last year, the, the success they had, obviously upsetting Ohio State, winning some big football games. Coming into this year, you know, under another year of Jeff Brom, it seemed like things were positive. But, of course, the injury bug bit. So what were the expectations preseason, and how have they kind of changed uh, to this point now? I think at least uh, our staff was pretty well reserved on it. We were thinking six, seven, eight wins maybe because this was going to be a very young team. There was some experience coming back at quarterback with Elijah Sindelar and some experience on the defense. But in reality, there were only 20 player scholarship players as juniors and seniors this year. And so we knew that there were going to be a lot of freshmen and sophomores that were going to be playing and, it was also Jeff Brom's best recruiting class so far that came in. They were a top 25 recruiting class, which is something that hadn't happened in West Lafayette since, I believe, like 2003, 2004. So we we knew there was better talent coming in, but it was extremely young talent and it was going to take a while to get going. And then all the injuries hit. Um, I know that the Nevada game is just – that was a disaster in the fourth quarter. You blow a 17-point lead against – a group of five team. That was a game that Purdue had at one and really just kind of fell apart and uh, lost it in the very end. They had what looked like an interception that would have clinched the game, not ruled an interception. Nevada ties it on the next play. They get in their own interception and then bomb in a field goal to beat us on the last play of the game. And it's kind of been downhill from there. Um, all the injuries really started the next week. We lose Marcus Bailey after the Vanderbilt game. We lost uh, Sindelar for the TCU game, and then he comes back, and then he breaks his collarbone in the Minnesota game on the same play that we lose Rondale Moore. Lorenzo Neal, the possible first-round recruit, or first-round recruit, first-round draft pick um, at defensive tackle, has not played all season after tearing his ACL last year in the Indiana game. And it just seems like every week is the, well, he's not coming back this week. Well, he's not coming back this week. And it's just been a little bit of everything. And I think that really we've done about as well as we can, considering all the injuries. Um, I still think that the Nevada game was one where, yeah, we should have won that one because that's, quote unquote, the healthiest we've been all year. And it would have been nice to play Illinois outside of a monsoon because our passing offense just could not work that day in the rain. And I, I felt like that was one that get away, but one that got away. But then again, the Illini have been playing really well since they played you guys. So yeah. who, who knows what happens that week and better weather and everything. But I, I know we would have had a better shot there. And then Sindelar and Moore both going down on the same play against Minnesota in the second quarter. Uh, you get them the full game. Who knows what happens there in a game? Purdue ended up losing only by a touchdown. So it's it's been a lot of things going wrong this year, uh, but the last couple of games have at least been positive. Purdue went out and facing a ton of adversity, managed to beat Nebraska, managed to win at Northwestern, which neither of those teams are great. But at this point, we'll take it. I'm not going to complain about any victory over who it was. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you get in a situation like that with with decimated by injuries and of course that that rough couple months that that Purdue seemed to have, you could have easily packed it in and, and said, you know what, we're done. Well, we're looking at 2020 and and we'll see what happens. But you know, I was saying earlier in our in our first half of the show that I give you know obviously Purdue a lot of credit for for keep fighting and battling back and and winning two in a row. I mean, you got to you got to take that 
uh, with a grain of salt with, you know, the injuries, but you, it's, it's been impressive to see a team battle back and not just, not just throw in the title, you know, the towel, I should say, because a lot of, a lot of teams in that situation probably would, uh, given the luck on, you know, bad luck on their side. But my, my next kind of question go, kind of goes off of that. And we, we've talked a lot about the injuries on this episode already, because that's kind of been the big storyline for Purdue. How much can you really read into this season, just given given how many, not even injuries, but bad luck injuries to so many vital positions, how much do you really read into it, and what sort of positives can you take from this season? I'm, I mean, really, it, it's hard to say because when Sindelar got hurt, he was one of the best passers in the nation. Through two games, he had over 900 yards passing. So if he's healthy all year, who knows what kind of numbers he's putting up. You're looking at 4,500 yards, which would have obliterated the season uh, single season record here at Purdue. And then of course, Rondale Moore is Rondale Moore. I mean, mm-hmm. no, it, no team in America would be like, Oh yeah, we can lose Rondale Moore and be fine. You, you put him on Alabama, you put him on Clemson. He's going to be a highlight real player that they're going to miss. I mean, yeah, they can fill his role a little bit easier than Purdue can, but he still is a player that anybody in America would want. Uh, so those are two guys that just have been a big factor. Same with Bailey and Neil. And I think the loss of them is really going to be shown up uh, against Jonathan Taylor because my goodness, Taylor is good. And <laughs> I mean, he is just the latest guy that's going to gash Purdue again and again and again. Uh, but you have a bunch of other smaller injuries that have just added up over the year. Uh, Jared Sparks, solid wide receiver, uh, pretty good possession guy that we expected a lot of. He's missed a good portion of the year. Uh, Cornell Jones, another linebacker, starting linebacker that's missed a very good portion of the year. And probably the only silver lining that comes out of all this is a lot of freshmen and sophomores are getting experience. Um, yeah. We have, uh, you know, we had some true freshmen that have come on and really surprised, like Cam Allen at cornerback. King Daru has been serviceable at running back. Milton Wright at wide receiver. Uh, and David Bell especially. He was never going to redshirt, but Bell has just been phenomenal and is probably going to be a first-team All-Big Ten selection. Uh, and then you have some of the redshirt freshmen that have come out and done really well. I know that we're very pleased with Corey Trice. He had uh, – he was, I believe uh, – Defensive Player of the Week against Maryland in the conference. He had two interceptions, one he took back for a touchdown. Ahmad Anderson has been a solid receiver as well on the outside. And I think what you're seeing is you're seeing the bulk of the 2020-2021 team playing probably a bit earlier than a lot of people expected. But I think it's going to pay off in the long run. Uh, I mentioned that this this freshman class is a top 25 class. The one that Brahm already has lined up for next year, I believe it's currently like 26th or 27th on Rivals, which, yeah, we're not up there in Alabama, Ohio State territory, but that is a significant improvement over the Danny Hope and Daryl Hazel years where they would be lucky to get out of the 70s sometimes. So it's just nice to be on a little bit more even footing in terms of talent in the in the conference and that's where i think the bigger move starts the next two years uh, once those guys get on campus and really start to get integrated with everything and we're still going to be young next year too so uh, i i think you're going to see br- where 
Brom is making his paycheck and we signed him with 2021, 2022 in mind, knowing that this year might have been a step back, even with everybody healthy. Sure, sure. But I mean, I guess from the sounds of it, in terms of recruiting and just the coaching philosophy, it sounds like the fan base is, is still very much on board with Jeff Brom. Is that correct? Because I know some fan bases like Nebraska, Scott Frost has started to probably not feel heat, but uh, there's been people that maybe have started to doubt him. But it seems like Purdue, for the most part, is still fully on board with with the Jeff Brom era. Would Is, is that kind of your assessment, too? Oh, yeah, I, I would say so. Everybody has seen what we've had uh, with all the injuries this year. And, well, the Hazel Hope era is pretty fresh in everyone's sure. mind. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, th- those four years of Hazel were some really, really lean years. And uh, you're talking uh, Hazel's first year was one of the worst Big Ten teams ever. And <laughs> so we, we we still remember all that and everything else. And. I just I'm really encouraged that uh, he's getting these recruits and it's starting to pay off and there's still some positive momentum. Yeah, it took a slight step back this year, but I think I think you'll see it come forward next year. I would say that my biggest concern um, is he's just he is not quite winning the games that he should win every season. Uh, I, and you're seeing that this year with Indiana. A lot of people are making fun of them with the oh, well, who have they beaten? Well, it's been a really long time since Indiana's just beaten everybody who they are supposed to beat, and mm-hmm. this year they're doing it. So there's there is definitely something to be said for doing that. Uh, Brahm's first year, he lost to Rutgers, and then he lost to a really bad Nebraska team the next week. Last year, he lost to Eastern Michigan. This year, he lost to Nevada. Uh, it would be really nice to not have that happen next year. Um, I know our non-conference season is... Sneaky tough with Memphis and Air Force coming here and then a trip to Boston College. So that's going to be a very interesting way to start the year. And then we also start at ne- at Nebraska in the first game of the season. So the, that's four relatively tough games to start next year. And uh, I think that's when you really see, OK, is, is there going to be a good leap forward? Because Purdue has been a slow starter under Brom and they need to get over that and win a season opener, start 2-0, 3-0, something like that. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you guys have you – it seemed like a sneaky, tough schedule kind of beginning. at On the road at Nevada was probably one you should win. And then, of course, TCU and Vandy, those are Power 5 programs. So uh, kudos to Purdue for scheduling some uh, tougher teams, unlike Wisconsin had this year with, you know, Central Michigan and some of those ones. And I know the Badgers have gotten a little better at it in the future seasons, but – uh, these last few years, we've had some real cupcakes on the schedule, which which isn't always fun to see. Uh, but getting into the X and O's of this game, I guess, obviously, Purdue, we, we talked a little bit about the, the stretch run. I think it was, what, five or six or so that they dropped. But they've come in winners of two straight. So is, what has really kind of changed to, to turn this thing back around and at least get it on on some way the right path that they were looking to be on? Does playing crappy teams count? <laughs> that certainly helps. I mean, it counts. It counts in some regard, but I mean, against Nebraska, uh, you know, we had Plummer for most of that game, and Jack Plummer has he was pretty solid, I think, for a redshirt freshman. He was thrown in against TCU. Um, 
Sindelar missed that game with a concussion, and that the, against TCU, that was Plummer's first collegiate action, and he definitely played like a freshman playing his first game. But the rest of the season, he's done relatively well, and uh, he's out for the season now. He broke his ankle against Nebraska, but uh, he had some solid moments, and he looks like he's going to be a pretty good quarterback for us in the future. And uh, I also just have to give a lot of credit to the poise of Aiden O'Connell. Uh, O'Connell is essentially a fourth-string walk-on at quarterback. Uh, it was going to take a very crazy situation for him to see see the field at all in any significant capacity, and it happened this year. I mean, Sindelar goes down with the collarbone. Plummer breaks his ankle. You had We had a quarterback by the name of Nick Sipe, who was the third stringer last year. He was a redshirt junior this year, but O'Connell passed him in the spring because – uh, Sipe had a back injury and then a few weeks ago Sipe announced he's like I'm hanging it up I'm done with football so he's one of those unsung injuries yeah he didn't play it all this year but it's just a lack of depth there to where now we had no choice but to go to O'Connell and he has exceeded every expectation you can ask for he's had two consecutive games now where he has led a game-winning drive while trailing inside the final two minutes. Uh, that's something that hadn't happened maybe ever at Purdue. Uh, the only guys that have done it in the last 20 years that have two at all, let alone consecutive, where Sindelar has two against Arizona in 2017 and against Minnesota that earlier that season. And then some guy named Drew Brees did it a couple times. Uh, you know, I think he had an okay career in the pros, but <laughs> <laughs> but just for O'Connell, you know, I have no no vision of O'Connell becoming a Brees type player or anything. But just to do something and be mentioned in the same breath as Brees and with the last fourth quarter comebacks, that's pretty impressive. And I got to give a, the kid a ton of credit. He's done everything you could ask for out of, again, a fourth string walk on starting at quarterback. Yeah. That's interesting to know. you know, I didn't even realize that, you know, Purdue had a, another guy that, that was on that depth chart. So it's even, you know, more so a fourth string is, is pretty impressive, especially given the system, you know, it's, it's a pretty pass happy system, you know, to turn to a fourth stringer uh, in, a, in a system that relies on the arm of a quarterback is, is certainly is certainly a tough ask, but kudos to that, you know, him for for handling that. How does he, how does he fit in Jeff Brom's scheme? Is, is it just kind of is it plug and play at the quarterback position with with Purdue, like you see in a lot of other pass happy things, or does he do, do certain things uh, better or worse than any of the other quarterbacks? Uh, he has a pretty good arm. He, you know, he earned his reps during the spring, and he was able to. I think that that time in the spring where he was the number three guy really helped him and he ended up playing a decent amount in the spring game as well and then just getting those reps as the number two guy after Sindelar helped uh, went down has helped him as well so he he's got a good arm he's a smart guy he's gonna try and limit his mistakes he had a couple of questionable interceptions at Northwestern but he's you know he had the moxie to come down. He was six for six on the game winning drive against Nebraska. He was solid last week or two weeks ago, I should say against Northwestern. He's not as mobile as Plummer and Sindelar were. He's not going to run for a lot of yards, uh, but he is, you know, pocket quarterback that's going to hang in there and just do what he can. And he's got the arm to make some of the throws. And then what I think the Brom offense is doing is we've had some, 
pretty severe limitations this year on the offensive line. They have called for a lot quicker passes and just trying to get the ball out before there can be a rush or anything. And he's been doing his reads well, and it's working at this point. He uses his tight ends like Bryson Hopkins as a big weapon for him to use. Uh, Same with Payne Durham. He's had a good rapport with David Bell. So he's got three or four good targets that he can rely on. As long as he's got some time to throw, he, you know, he's completing 68% of his passes. So it's not, you know, he's not going to bomb away for 500 yards on anybody, but he's going to at least, you know, give us a shot. Well, there you go. I mean, that kind of talks about the Purdue offense, but let's switch gears a little bit and talk uh, the defense. Obviously last year, we talked about a little bit already. Jonathan Taylor had his career high for yards against Purdue, and uh, in 2017, he I think he had 220 yards or so. Uh, so Purdue fans are, are very well aware of Jonathan Taylor and his name, as are most other fan bases in the Big Ten. But what's Purdue going to try to do to attempt to slow JT down in this game? Um, food poisoning? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the same kind of answer we get from people – Every week they're trying to come up with something. So, I mean, I, the the run defense has been hit or miss all season. It's had its moments, and again, they're we're just kind of putting it together as best we can up front. And if Lorenzo Neal can play, that's a huge question mark right now. If he's going to play, if he can play, that'll help. But I mean, this is somebody who shredded us the last two years, and uh, when we've had healthier defenses and everything else. So I, I really don't know what they're going to do to slow him down. Uh, if I were a defensive coordinator, I'm saying stack eight guys in the box and dare, dare Cone to throw over us. And you know what? Cone did that last year, and Cone's completing his passes at, what, 75% for you guys, something like that? Around that, yeah. yeah. He's been pretty solid and you know, in, in a limited fashion, but when he, he's really had a nice – hand the ball off to in a lot of these situations yeah uh, maybe maybe taylor gets tired early i don't know <laughs> uh, it's just that wisconsin running backs and purdue defenses have not been fun to watch at least from my perspective over the last 15 years i mean monty ball melvin gordon taylor i mean just guys just running for 250 yards with ease is all i all I remember it's just the names change <laughs> exactly and you remember the names if, if they made any sort of impact you remember the names so you rattled off three of them with, with pretty relative ease there but uh, that's a fair a fair assessment I know I, it's a hard it's a hard ask for anybody in the country and there's been some teams that have had success but more often than not you're not really gonna shut JT down for too long he's, still, he's usually gonna get his his and it's it's just more so about trying to contain that uh, is there any other yeah, players on the on the Purdue defense that maybe Wisconsin fans should be paying attention to in this matchup? Uh, I'm really excited to see what George Karloftis is going to do. Uh, this is a kid from West Lafayette High, uh, was possibly the highest rated recruit we've had in many, many years. Uh, even for a short time, he was a five-star recruit by 24-7. So uh, we were, Brom was able to keep him at home and get him on the team he probably would have been Purdue's best defensive linesman last year when he was in high school. Uh, he's had a solid season. He leads the team in sacks. He's got six of them. He 
I want to say he is at the top or near the top in the Big Ten in quarterback hurries. And he's just one of those guys that probably if he makes any kind of leap between his freshman and sophomore years, he's going to be a monster for uh, opposing defenses to handle. He's very quick. He's got a great motor. He doesn't take plays off. And he just he needs to get a little bit a uh, little bit more seasoning there, a little bit more experience, and his career is really going to take off. And he's already doing really really well for us. Uh, he uh, let me bring up his statistics here. Yeah, he has six sacks, and he is fourth on the team in tackles with forty. Third on the team in tackles with forty six as a defensive end. Uh, he even has an interception on the season and. He's just going to cause teams a lot of problems for the next two seasons, two or three seasons after this year. And he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And he's it's nice to have that great defensive end. And you can just see it with him. He's going to be really good. Well, there you go, Badger fans. That's a name uh, to keep an eye out for both in this game and in the future. It sounds like yeah, he's got a bright uh, bright career ahead of him. And it's always fun to see those those young prospects that kind of blossom before your eyes and you just know that you know, then these next few seasons you're going to have a lot of fun watching him every Saturday. So um, this brings me to my last question, and it's something we ask everybody who comes on the show uh, when they're previewing their team. So I'm just going to put it to you straight, and you can fill in the blank for us. So Purdue wins this game if blank. If uh, Wisconsin turns it over like they did two years ago in Madison, uh, that was a game I know it was 17-9, to uh, but Purdue had every opportunity to win that game. You guys kept fumbling it or throwing interceptions inside the 20. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only thing that kept you guys at 17 points. And we could not take advantage of it and put more points on the board. I know there was one point where we blocked a punt and looked like we were going to run it back for a touchdown. And the guy, uh, I think it was Race Johnson, whose brother is an Olympic diver, uh, Race Johnson like pulled his hamstring in the middle of running it back, fell down, and then we missed the field goal. So we got nothing off of that. Uh, so it's going to take some crazy stuff like that. It's going to take uh, O'Connell probably playing out of his mind and uh, would really help if we can get the surprise of getting Rondale Moore back. Uh, yeah. They've This is the most optimistic they have been about him in weeks, and that's not to say that he's definitely playing – Jeff Brom just basically said, well, he needs to practice, which that is an upgrade over it's extremely doubtful he's going to play. So I'm still not going to believe he's going to play till I see him suit up on Saturday. But if we could get him back and have him at full Rondale, that's certainly going to help a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think back to last year's game. I mean, realistically, you guys have, have really had Wisconsin – on the ropes these last two seasons and in Wisconsin's been lucky to, to get out of uh, both of those games with the victory. But I think the last year, you know, Rondell Moore gave, gave our defense a lot of problems and, you know, he's going to give any defense with problems. I mean, I, I think he, I really think he's one of the top wideouts in the country for sure. Yeah. And you know, I, I, that's been one of the more, that's been one of the tougher pills to swallow this year is we haven't gotten to see Rondale for six weeks now. And we got to see some glimpses of it. He had a monster game against Vanderbilt, and he he did what he could against Nevada, and he did what he could against TCU. And it's just we we feel kind of robbed that we didn't get to watch that for the last six games because oh man, he he is so much fun to watch. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, even as an outsider perspective, I remember him last year in the season opener against 
Northwestern and, and the Ohio State game last year where it was like, oh, my God, that kid is that kid is something special. So as a college football fan, you you hate to see, you know, you know stars of the league, you know, on the sidelines, hampered up with injuries. It, it doesn't help anyone. And I know Badger fans may be re- relieved to, to not have to try and deal with him on this weekend. But obviously, you always want to wish for good health uh, for those players because it's so much better for the sport. But uh, I'd like to call him a uh, how the hell do you stop this guy guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly that. I think him and him and Jonathan Taylor are in that same boat where you just got to hope to contain them and, you know, buckle up and see what happens. I mean, they're both tremendously talented and Moore's more speed, I think, would be a real a real test for this Wisconsin defense who, who got a little bit uh, tore up last week against Nebraska. So that would certainly be a good test for the secondary as they prepare for, of course, Minnesota next week, who's got some talented wide receivers as well. So And Dave, David Bell should be a good test, too. Uh, David yep. Bell's had a fantastic season in his own right. And it, I, I think we're a little bit spoiled as Purdue fans just because Moore put up just incredible numbers as a, as a freshman last year that we look at David Bell's and we're like, oh, it's not quite Rondale's. And it's like, well, Rondale put up historical numbers. Bell is having a really good year. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Well, they'll be that Badger secondary will be tested uh, as much as they were last week. You know, some big chunk plays. They'll have to certainly have to tighten things up uh, against guys. Uh, you know, of course, Bell and and possibly Rondale Moore. So that'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, Travis, um, I'll let you get out of here. I've got, I've taken up a lot of your time, but we really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Badger fans, that wraps up our latest episode of Bucky's fifth podcast. Of course, we'll be back on Tuesday for our recap with Purdue. And then we'll talk some Wisconsin basketball, uh, after their game against green Bay. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to rate review and subscribe on Wisconsin.